Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Founder Hacks, our podcast where we share something we've seen, something we've read, and something we've learned that's been a source of inspiration for founders and entrepreneurs that we work with. Let me start by saying hello to Mr. Anthony Enright. Hi, Ben. Hi, Alex. And of course, to Alex Moore. Hello, a bit of a sniffly Alex Moore. So apologies oh, for coughing and sneezing, but I'm, you know, oh, dear. it's all right. Uh, uh, well, the, the world will know if they don't hear that we've removed them in the edits to, just to, <laughs> to save our our listeners' virtual uh, virtual immune systems from your germs, Alex. Moore. That's it. Uh, Keep them safe for the good. Keep it safe, Ben. Keep them safe. <laughs> I was going to say something about computer viruses, but I I won't. Um, So this week's episode, we've shared some stories that we felt were all around the theme of how do you choose whether to bide your time or to blow up the room? So different ways of making that difficult choice between uh, patience and and impatience for, for entrepreneurs and founders. And I believe, Alex, you've seen something this week that you felt was a bit of a inspiration for you. Yeah, I mean, when we were talking and doing our editorial, it was, you know, it was a sort of challenge I faced with one of my businesses about forcing something to happen or just waiting for it to happen. And it was tied to a conversation I was having with Anthony the week before, actually. And I think I thought as a founder, this would be interesting if founders would find this interesting because, you know, maybe there is a, you know, from my experience, there is a time to try and just use force of will to make things happen. And there is a time to just plant a bunch of ideas in other people's heads and just wait for it to all happen magically. And the debate was really, how do you know and what, which one do you use in which circumstance? And that's, that's what I wanted to debate today with you guys. I mean, the one I, I, my hands are tied on this particular thing because I'm a bit of a make things happen bloke and, um, just get out there, grab the ball by the horns. And I just can't because of various circumstances and other, some things that are interconnected with some other businesses. So I just have to sit on my hands and do it. It's quite difficult for me, but I feel it's the only approach. So yeah, guys, I wanted to, you know, ask your opinion when, which approach do you use? How do you know which one you should use? And, uh, yeah, thoughts, thoughts. Ant, what do you reckon, mate? Help me out here. I've- I think it's uh, I think it's purely dependent on the circumstances and the the thing that you are looking to change and I think the challenge that I've had in the past is a bit like you intimated there Alex is that being an entrepreneur being an owner you just if you've got an idea and you just want to get on with it you just want to implement it and get on with it and and see it through but quite often for some of those larger change programs or something more, so something that I've seen in the last few weeks is where an organisation is making a bit of an organisational change. And clearly the desire is to want to get that done. They've decided they're going to do it and get it done quickly. But the problem with doing it quickly is that it's not the best necessarily the best solution. It's going to leave people behind and people are going to struggle with the change. Whereas what I've actually seen them do is bide their time, be patient, break it down into various um, chunks and almost stealthily implement it. Not clandestine, not cloak and dagger, not sort of behind everybody's back, but just in a way that all of a sudden they will wake up one morning and go, ah, the new organisational structure is in place. Fantastic. As if by magic. As if by magic. Now, whether it will actually happen like that or not, but that's certainly the intent that, 
that, that they're starting with in order to just see that if we do bit by bit, it won't be as a dramatic change for everybody. Business will continue as usual, but this will add benefit rather than actually blowing it up and causing a lot of the distress. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really, certainly for small to medium-sized businesses, I think it's a really difficult thing to do is bide your time and do things yeah. chunk by chunk. But the reality is is sometimes it's too damaging if you just go in like a bull in the china shop. But how do you know which one to use? So I think it just purely comes down to what is it and, and, and trusting your gut and testing it out if you possibly can. And I think I think when it's for the organisation that I'm speaking about here that's doing this organisational restructure, uh, I mean, it's big enough to be able to warrant that they've got to bide their time and do piece by piece. And, and people may be wondering how they actually do that and more than happy to share that offline and... Um, um, and, and take people through that but but the reality is i think if it's big enough then you know that you've got a it's it's too big a deal to to put in a china shop gotcha ben would you uh what what are your thoughts on this subject do you know what i was reminded immediately of a phrase um that i must admit i shared um uh, uh, with someone i'm working with um where they told me they were waiting for something and I said, no, you're not. You're waiting for our business to fail. Because Ooh, you're waiting. What a line. Which I felt was a bit mean, actually. It was a bit of a cheeky thing to say. But there is this part of me that sometimes goes, we, you, you never say waiting, you're always chasing. You never say waiting, you're always pursuing. You know, there, there is no passive state of waiting. Um and at the same time we've got to be pragmatic right and i think in specific answer to your point alex for me it would be about you know how do you find yourself a litmus paper to test your organizations or a situation's capacity for change and assess its capacity to change at pace so for me i would potentially have testing conversations was like what if conversations around the change with certain individuals in in the system to see what i get back and that might then guide me does that make sense so you know that then gives me and it, it ultimately comes down to being a gut thing right because you'll it's one of those decisions i think you'll never know if you were right or wrong probably until months or years later um and, and both can be right and both can be wrong in different scenarios. But for me, it's about working out where's my litmus paper and, and how can I get that data to then guide me around, do we do this fast or do we need to do this careful? Um, yeah, them's me thoughts, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I think the other you, thing sir. I'm reminded of, I'm reminded of sometimes is that when when you see new people join an organisation, and they come in and they're like a bull in a china shop. And I don't know, there's just, just something in me that, that always worries about that that element of somebody new coming in and wanting to change something and, and, and just being really impatient and going for it. And I always look back and go, and I always worry about that because I think, no, no, come in and come in and understand the business first. Come in and understand um, the detail behind the potential change before you actually just go through it like a bull in a china shop. Um, I'd much rather they sat there. So actually, um, the organisation in, in question, with my example, is is you know they've had people in and 
you know, the first individual that came in just said, I'm just going to sit and observe and watch. I'm going to be very busy doing that. But I'm just going to see what actual change needs to take place first and did that for three months. And I just I love that style. It's a hard style to adopt because we want change so quickly and we want things to move forward. But I think, you know, the sensible thing is to no, no, let's do it correctly. We only want to do this once. So sit back take your time, observe and see what change really needs to take place. A hard balance to strike though. Like it. Thanks guys. Well, that moves us on to red. And I think that's Mm. Ben. There's something you've been, well, all of us have been reading a lot about recently. All of us have, right. Um, So the, the the inspiration was really the, the, the many, many articles that, that, that are out there at the moment around chat GPT. Um, for anyone who's listening who's not familiar with ChatGPT, this is an AI, I guess you'd call it a chat bot. I think that somewhat diminishes it. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, yeah, it, it, it's it's an incredibly clever piece of kit that is a cre- an AI creative writer uh, and copywriter and coder. So effectively, you can ask ChatGPT please write me a vision a vision statement for a manufacturer of light bulbs um operating in the US that's trying to get into the high end prestige market of light bulbs and it will do a, an outstanding job um again people have likened it to a sort of well educated sixth former uh, or, or or you know a uh, high school graduate um and probably a bit bit beyond that maybe but very very talented and and the the things we've been reading is uh one entrepreneur writing i've just fired my my copywriting team of five because i i now have chat gpt it can do more and faster and actually equivalent or better quality than the people i've been paying to do this and you sort of go wow that's a bit scary um there's been talk now that um your chat gpt came within about 10 points of a passing grade for a a junior legal exam um that, that would effectively, yeah, were were a human to provide those answers, they would be very close to being uh, licensed to to draft contracts, um, uh, simple contracts and simple legal statements. I mean, the implications of, of this are, are clearly profound for us. We, I think, it's given the whole world a taste of what a lot of people have been saying for years that that within our lifetimes. AI is going to have a transformational impact on our societies, on our working lives, um, on our organizations. And I think this is perhaps the first time we've all seen something and we've gone, oh, oh, that's what you mean. Oh, interesting. Um, I guess where for me it was kind of, is it time to bide your tile blow up the room, is how do we know with these technologies, is it time for, should we, should we stand back and watch this? Do we jump in with both feet now? What do we do? Um, I'm reminded in previous sort of technology advances, um, moving too early can be dangerous. I'm remembering a, a, a company that um, started producing CD-ROMs in about 1998 or something. And it cost them you know, tens of thousands. It's such new technology. It cost them tens of thousands of pounds to do this. Um, literally within two years, the same technology you could sort of – it was 50 pence – um, but they they moved just a little bit too early to get in what they saw as the multimedia revolution and nearly bankrupted their company. And before five minutes, all of their competitors were doing it. But just two years later, when suddenly that technology was cheap and freely available, I wonder 
what's the challenge with chat gpt is this a time for us to all blow up the room and completely reinvent our businesses around this new reality should we be standing back and biding our time and not moving too quickly um because we don't know what's going to happen next right um we don't know what's going to happen next and i was reminded of a, a story that, that someone shared with me that you know self-driving cars for example um we are so close to self-driving cars we're 85 percent of the way there but what's happened now is that last 15 percent to get to a world of self-driving cars, suddenly everyone's realised is a damn sight more complicated than they thought it would be. So we've got 85% of the way, but the last 15% is going to be, you know, it's going to take years and cost billions of pounds. So actually, if I'd been betting the farm on self-driving cars a few years ago, I'd now be in a really bad situation. So what do we do, guys? How do we make the assessment? Do we blow up the room with the chat GPT? Should we be transforming our companies around this or, or should we bide our time and just check it out and see what happens? Mr. Moore. Well, I guess it's the other answer that you gave me to my question was, you know, what's your, what's your gut saying? What's your intuition and what business, you know, really what business, it depends which business you have. Right. But I feel like this isn't going away and it's, it's going to get better very quickly. So for me, I'm, you know, I, I some of the business owners, I know who are very, very worried about this. I guess you've got two ways of dealing with it, putting your head in the sand and thinking, ah, oh, I'll never be there, or accepting, adapt. My favorite Conor McGregor, acknowledge, adapt, overcome. So, you know, there are points here to look at it and go, yeah, uh, at, at its current state, it's not good enough to, to, obsolete, you know, to, to actually make my company obsolete, but it will be soon. So let's start now and let's start thinking about what we're going to do so that I can pay the bills in six months and let's do it now. And that's, that's my feeling is that it, the speed at which it will get better. If this is how it's turned up, mm. will be, it's, will be terrifying. So if you, if you're worried that this thing might, it's not quite there yet. So it doesn't need to worry about it. No, you need to worry about it now because it's going to get better damn quick. And that's my understanding of AI and, and how all that works. So yeah, I'd be, I, I think you'd be right to be very afraid, and it's going to make a lot of people obsolete a lot. So what do you do then? You re, you reinvent yourself as quickly as possible. In my experience, Anthony, do you agree? Disagree? Uh, I'm afraid to say that I completely agree. Um, it's a bit scary. Uh, my mind was blown uh, when I, I I looked at it and started playing around with it to see what it could actually produce, and I agree, it's only going to get better. Um, I think already, Ben, to use your analogy of that that final fifteen percent on self drive cars, I think they've kind of, if you like, they've they've blown up the room there. I think they're beyond that, mm -hmm. and um, I think for certain organisations, it's a scary time. I mean, given the, you know, if you think about software development, for instance, and and, and those types of things, then clearly this is going to develop software for you way way quicker. Um, than you do it yourself. So, um, yes, it's to be looked at now. I think uh, biding your time isn't going to work on this one, but you probably don't need to blow up the room just yet. But depending on when you're listening to this podcast, um, I think this will move. This will look very different in six months and it will look very different in a year's time. Um, and I think, where can you take that competitive advantage? I certainly think there's huge advantage for organisations that do something that isn't threatened by this, but, for instance, are going into other regions 
for instance, that, that need different dialect and different languages. I mean, clearly, there's a huge cost saving to be done. Um, but, you know, in order to be able to translate websites, pamphlets, whatever it is you need uh, translating, there's, there's huge mm. opportunity. But I'm afraid if you're a translator... Um, oh. You know, for instance, if you're, you know, can you imagine if your if your main business is translation, etc., then this is just going mm. to unfortunately blow you out the absolute water. And now, clearly, people are still going to, you know, if you translate your website from one language to another via ChatGPT or similar, you're clearly going to need an expert to read through it and make sure it's correct, right? So, there is still the opportunity there, but. Um, yeah, I, I think this is probably like nothing else we've seen probably since the invent of um, the internet itself. Um, this is this is a game changer. Um, but I always say, you know, with every downside, there's an upside. There will be opportunity. There will always be opportunity. But I think you've got to be relatively quick to the to the race here. Is that a bit too drastic in what I'm saying? Or is that... Dark words, guys. <laughs> presaging, presaging the cataclysm of, uh, of, of AI for us all. And I, mean, I think what I'm hearing from you both is, is, is look, depending on your context, it might be, you know, it, it might not be the best idea to immediately start going in and, and blowing up rooms. But whether you choose to blow up the room now or bide your time, pay attention. Pay yeah. attention, Absolutely. because y- y- we're all going to have to flex, reflect, um, flex on into this, and it, it it's not just about organisations; it's about humans. It's about all of us. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about my my children and their careers, and um, you know, many people perhaps who today are in in, in education studying for careers that are simply not going to exist by the time they've graduated. And the whole education system itself, Ben, of of what we need to retain, yeah, you know. Mm. Mm, well, Google's, look, Google's I, I, always felt like it's just a touch of a button. This is just Google and Google plus 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 plus. Well, plus, it, plus. it is, it is, and, and there, yeah, there are limitations. So you, I mentioned coding. You know, I, I, I talked to a number of professional coders, and they said, well, you know, it can get you kind of seventy percent the way there, yeah. but it, it, you know, you're always going to then need someone who understands what the thing has output to, to kind of finish it off. Um, yeah, the translation always needs to be checked by a, yes, a native yeah. speaker. To, so, so it's interesting, and that—that's perhaps I don't know. Maybe there is that last fifteen percent there, and and whilst it is mind blowing um, for people who've not really been charting the progress of, of chatbots, um, yeah, there are these limitations and gaps. I mean, it's still, it still it doesn't really understand the world after twenty sixteen. I think it is at the moment. So, so there are these limitations and restrictions. Um, the question is that last fifteen percent. Well, that that could take another. 30 years or it could take six months and i don't think we know which <laughs> uh, but the amounts of money involved are just incredible but we must move on we must move on uh so i think this week anthony enright has learned something um on this theme of biding your tire blowing up the room anthony constantly Fenty. constantly learning constantly amazed by um speaking to others and seeing what they're doing and how they're operating and knowing that certainly in the world that i spend most of my time in in coaching and, and teaching and you know that nothing's perfect and, and that we're all fallible to you know nothing's um nothing's as simple sometimes as it looks and I guess my learning was that I was reminded of um I had a call with somebody last week who was so relieved 
that they've got this one thing done and implemented in their business that they've been waiting to do for such a long time. And the relief was palpable. It was like, oh my goodness, it was like they were going to go to the pub and celebrate, you know, it was that that bigger thing. But I was kind of sitting there um, feeling for them because I thought, my goodness, you, you feel that this is such a moment to celebrate. But actually, experience sort of tells us or certainly tells me that, you know, once you've implemented something and you've ticked that box and you've got that off your to-do list, is it just the first step? And actually, it's just actually what comes next, especially when it's processes, procedures, those sorts of things, because they're forever changing, require, um, you know, they require updating on such a regular basis. And then I was sort of minded of, well, what do you do? Is it is it time to bide your time? Um, or is it time to blow the room up, right? And I think it's, you know, blowing the room up. Ticket's done, fantastic, it's all done. We're never going to look at that again or bide your time. Right, well, I've done the first step and now I've got to see it through. Um and uh and yeah i was just i, I sort of I, I guess i connected with the pain of the celebration of that individual knowing that it's just the beginning <laughs> having ticked it crossed it off your list and gone thank goodness that's done it's just the beginning because unless we keep an eye on these processes these procedures whatever it is we've implemented making sure they're fit for purpose making sure they're as good as we thought they were testing it out and then seeing the user experience whatever it may be Actually, it's just it's just the it's just the first step, and there's a lot more to be done. But I don't know. What do you what do you two think? Go on, Alex. Okay, yeah, I love this. Um, I'm reminded of uh, we just opened a restaurant in Dubai, and the operations consultant came along and said, "Oh, I've got this great idea that he's sort of nicked from somewhere. Like all great ideas, always nicked from somewhere." I find. And it was giving people different color napkins when they come in. So, oh, is this your first time here, sir? Madam? Yes. And they get a green napkin. And they then go into the reservation system and we log in. The next time they come, second time, they get a different color napkin. And the third time they come, we go, oh, hello, welcome back. Again, they get a different color napkin. And that's it. We don't, there's three different types. And he was just telling me how he was so excited about it. And I was like, yes, I love it as well. That's really clever. And we can give people an offer because once you've got them three times, they're pretty much data proves that they'll come back again and again. And my point was, yes, brilliant. I love it. You can tell everyone to do it, but it's all about the execution because just implementing the idea, it will fail within a week. So, you know, the as good idea as the, as the, the idea is, and I think it's excellent, the operation has to be as good and the policing of it has to be. So when you were talking about this, it's really this thing that I'm dealing with at the moment. And I was asking last week about the, how's it going with the napkins? Ah, oh, not that good. We, we ran out of green napkins. I was like, oh man, it's such, I don't, you know, I just thought, well, isn't that, isn't that, isn't it great running a business? Yeah. Oh God. Why didn't I become a uh, civil servant in, in Basingstoke? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, right. Sorry. That's being rude about civil servants in Basingstoke, but, um, yeah, so that was the whole thing of, um, you know, the, the pain of doing it, the execution. Ben, what what do you think? I, I, hmm. I kind of think both perspectives here are important because sometimes I think it is right to blow up the room and walk away. And it depends on the criticality of what you're doing, but sometimes doing that 
gives you opportunities to let people fail with something and you can hold them accountable for that. So it generates more learning in a way. I completely agree though about the, the execution of this and that actually we now live in incremental and exponential times. So the idea of ticking something off your list and saying, Oh, great. That process is done now. Finished. Off we go. I don't believe that's possible anymore. It, it, it's all about continual innovation and improvement. And I guess what culture you have in your business around accountability. Are people accountable for operating a process? Are they accountable and responsible for ensuring there is a process? Or are they responsible and accountable for continually improving that process? So what does owning a process look like and who's responsible for that? So I guess it's the level of delegation you're talking about. Um uh, that, that's there and I think from from Ant's story I mean uh, the picture I had in my head is this is you know if you are the business owner what is your responsibility to 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 having landed something to then yeah and I, that's where I perhaps agree is that the, the the responsibility to hold the business accountable for that thing um then then must stay on your list and it becomes um something that you you, you can't let go of because I mean is that is that thing called reversion to the mean right do you know reversion to the mean no um so it's a very um common thing usually it's in the in the in the in the medical sphere so a lot of alternative therapies or or, or sort of you know, faux medicine not not real medicine but fake medicine um, will claim they get great results so i had a cold and i took this product and now i'm better therefore the product made me better and Actually, the truth is, no, what happened there was a reversion to the mean. Your natural state is to be well. So left to your own devices, you will become well. And you will things will go back to the way they were. Everything wants to go back to how it was, to, to what is regarded as a normal state. And I think in this instance, what Anthony is saying potentially is there's a risk here of reversion to the mean. Unless this is absolutely kept and maintained it will drift back to the mean. Your example of the restaurant, it will drift back to the mean. We don't care what kind of napkins people have. That's our state of normal. So how do you shift the normal? And sometimes, yeah, that takes biding your time, I think. Does that make sense? It's very oh, complicated. Far, I mean, it's sickening because it's far, you, you put it way more succinctly than, than Alex and I did in the last four or five minutes. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we are. There we are. Well, gentlemen, on that note, I, I fear we're at time. Um so some fabulous founder hacks. I'll do my best to, to summarize uh, with your permission. So this week's theme was, when do you bide your time and when do you blow up the room? Do you force a resolution or wait for things to naturally come to a head? Clearly, it's going to be a circumstantial decision every time, but reflecting on the scope, the time scale, the level of emotion involved may guide our decision. Testing your gut Maybe having some litmus paper style conversations could give you an assessment and understand the capacity of an organizational system to change. Without question, taking a breath and really understanding the implications of a change is something you're probably not going to regret. Chat GPT is perhaps the first accessible taste of what many commentators have been saying for years, that AI will transform our working lives and our societies within our lifetimes. So how do we engage with these technologies, these huge paradigm shifts? It's clear that what we're seeing here could be frightening. 
and potentially whether you choose to blow up the room right now and lean into this next revolution or whether you choose to bide your time and see what happens next. Paying attention for your organization and for yourself is going to be critical. And finally, when we need to put new systems and processes in place, we can be hugely relieved when we feel the job is done. Tick the box and walk away. We've blown up the room and that's that. But hard experience has prompted a question. Once you've taken it off your list, it may be just the beginning. Things tend to go back to the way they were and we live in incremental and exponential times. So you may need to bide your time and make sure that the newness sticks and that it can continually improve. Thank you both for some wonderful founder hacks this week. I hope that summary did you justice. It remains to say, as always, a huge thank you to Anthony Enright. Thank you, uh, Ben. Thank you, Alex. And an equally huge thank you to Alex Moore. Thanks for teaching me stuff, guys, this week again. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure to learn with you and from you both. A reminder for our listeners that, of course, Founder Hacks is not just this podcast. We also have a little notification uh, newsletter you can sign up to to let you know when your next freshly minted Founder Hacks are available online. You can sign up at www.atomics.co.uk slash Founder Hacks. Until next time, I've been Ben Thomas. This has been Founder Hacks. Thank you very much indeed for listening. <laughs>